And in John chapter 15, the word of God says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you, everybody say, abide in me, Jesus said. Jesus goes on to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if, everybody say if. It's your choice this morning, amen. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will. Everybody say will. And it will. Everybody say will. And it will, everybody say will, be done for you this morning at TWBC. Amen. Amen. Come on. Man, you better make the scripture relevant to yourself. It's not about and he will someday in the future. No, everything changes today. Everything changes. You're on a journey with us this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, we come before you and we say thank you, Father God for who you are, for what you're doing, and how you're transforming the lives of people today. Lord, as we abide in you and you abide in us, we thank you that we will bear much fruit and we can ask whatever we wish and you will, your word said, that means if you will, that it will, come on. If you said you will, that means it is your will. Come on. If you said you will, that means it is your will. And so God's willing to do something in your life and in my life this morning So everybody just lift your hands up to God and say, Father, I receive all that you have for me right here, right now, and today, everything changes. Give God a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Hey, as we're in this series called Abide, what is the purpose of Abide? And if you've been here through any part of this series, I've said this at the beginning of every message throughout this series. The purpose of Abide is to get the culture or kingdom of heaven to manifest with us right here on this earth. It's, it's, it's our job as the body of Christ to get so well acquainted with the things and the culture of heaven that it's abnormal when we don't see heaven manifest in our physical family lives. Amen. When we don't see heaven manifest in our work lives, we should think that's weird. See, a lot of times the church celebrates and gets happy because we see a miracle. God says that should be the norm. (laughs) Because we should be bringing the culture or kingdom of heaven to this earth. Jesus said it best in the Lord's Prayer. He said, your kingdom come, Father. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I like to say right here and right now. Amen. Your kingdom come. Your culture come. The things that take place in heaven Come to our place here on this earth, and Lord God, let your will, your culture be done in my will, in my culture, just as it's in heaven, and it's done. The purpose of abide is to get well acquainted with the culture of heaven, to get well acquainted with the things of God, to get well acquainted with the way God does things, and then, as we learned in the last series, we are God's pathway to the natural. God doesn't need a lot in the natural. He just needs access to it, and so if we can get in touch with the culture of heaven and open up a pathway for the Father to come because we abide in him and his words abide in us, we'll see much fruit or transformation or life change or whatever you want to call it take place in our culture here on this earth. 
And I'm excited to see what's happening as we've been abiding in the kingdom of God. And so as we abide in the kingdom of God, God's going to do amazing things. And it's going to have a, a massive movement on our life. But we, we, we want to do something as we find the culture of heaven and bring it here. Everybody, I want you to have a moment. Say, I want a moment. I want you to have a moment with God this morning. But I don't want it to stay a moment with God. I want you to be so familiar with the culture of heaven that when you have your moment with God this morning, you're able to make it into a movement that has a great shift in your life. Amen? Because moments are great, but movements, they change your life. See, you can have a moment in your life of any kind, good, bad, or otherwise, but if you always stay living in that moment, it'll never become a movement and it'll just remain a moment. See, some of y'all need to forget some moments and some of y'all need to get some new moments and when you get a new moment, you need to turn it into a movement. Some of y'all need to forget that moment that you're thinking about. The moment while you say you're not worthy and God can't use me. And if Joel only knew what I did. And you forget that moment. Because you've made that moment into a movement. It's just moving in the wrong direction. You need to get a new moment with God this morning. Kind of like an upper room moment that they had in Acts chapter 2. And when that moment happened, they said, we don't want to keep it a moment. Father, let's make it a movement. And 3,000 people got born again. Listen, this was the very disciples that rejected him and turned their back on him and walked away from him and said, we don't want to do anything to do with this Jesus anymore. And Jesus reinstated all of them, not just Peter. And in that moment, he said, you wait until you are clothed with power from on high. And then they had a moment that changed the world right side up and started moving things into a movement that we're still a part of today. But, but God's not wanting it to be, to be a little river or a little stream. He's wanting it to be a rushing mighty river that transforms where we're at. And so it's time that we in, get on this journey and embrace the movement of God. And when we do embrace this movement of God, it's going to change everything about us. It's going to change everything about what we know. It's going to affect, as we've said the past several weeks, the seven mountains or seven spheres of influence, which is family, religion, economy, education, government, arts, media, science, and technology. And it's going to change everything we know because God's culture is going to influence this mountain. And is not going to influence God's culture because we're in the movement to change mountains. How many of y'all believe mountains still move? Come on. It's time that we start moving some mountains with the influence of heaven's culture. And we change the culture of a mountain. We change the course of a mountain. We change the things of a mountain. The problem we face in the church is we're more influenced by the present evil around us than the promise of God within us. Come on now. We are more influenced by what is negative on Facebook than what the power of God says in his book. Come on. Everybody say, oh yeah. We must begin to change. We must begin to be more moved by the promise of God within us. And this is where I'm excited this morning because there's a hope for you today. Ooh, I, I'm, I can't, I'm just going to go. Keep going. We must be more influenced by the promise or hope with, of God within us than the current issues and problems around us. I know we got big problems, but are they bigger than a God that established a kingdom, that sent his one and only son to die, that gave us his spirit without power, without, or that gave us his spirit without limit, with full power and full access to the kingdom of God. And if we believe that is true, and that is our doctrinal stance here at TWBC, we should be more influenced by the promise and the spirit and the hope and the power of God in us than the seven mountains of influence that keep surrounding us. Ooh, come on. I, I believe mountains still move. I'm going to move some mountains in my day. You're going to move some mountains today. 
you're going to move some mountains today. Amen. Come on. I, 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 you got to get with me on this. Some of y'all are like, but, but I don't know, but I do know. You're too busy looking at what's missing to see what's possible. I'll get there in a minute. I know something's going to happen in your life today. I think I'm more excited for you than you are for you. You need to get a spirit of expectancy this morning that says, it is my day, it is my moment to make a movement, and everything's changing in my life. Everything changes. Everything changes today. So get on this journey with me. I'm going to recap a little bit of last week. Because there was five messages last week in one service. So I'm going to recap just a little bit. And as we go on this journey this morning... We're going to start in Matthew chapter 14, and it's verse number 12, and it's the story of the boy with five loaves and two fish. And it says, now then Jesus heard this, and he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place. Somebody say desolate. Ooh, I'm getting there in a minute. To a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Now listen, the crowds were leaving the cities to go to a desolate place. That, that don't make sense. See, a lot of times we leave Sulphur Springs to go to the city because they got what we want. Come on. We go to Dallas because Sulphur Springs doesn't offer it. But listen, there's something that can be found in a desolate place if you're following Jesus there that the city can't offer. They left their towns to go to a desolate place. Some of y'all are fixing to get out of what you think is the norm, and you're going to go to a place that doesn't look norm for the world, but you're going to find God at a whole other level there. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot to the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. And now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They don't need to go away. And basically he said, I brought them to a desolate place for a reason. You give them something to eat. And he said to them, we have only five loaves and two fish here. And Jesus said, bring them here to me. See, sometimes what you see as desolate isn't really desolate. It's your promised land. Just because it's uncharted water and you've never been there before doesn't mean it's desolate. It could be your promised land. And he said, bring them here. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up. Jesus looked up to heaven and said a blessing. And he broke it and gave the loaves to his disciples. And the disciples had miracles manifest in their hands as they fed everybody in the crowd. Come on, that, that's in there. You just got to know what he's talking about. All the miracles happened in the disciples' hands. Jesus just broke five loaves and two fish. The disciples had the miracle happen. You have the miracles happening. Jesus has already broke all the strongholds that need to be broke for you to do the miracles you're supposed to do. Oh, I gotta get, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> and he broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples and gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. In a desolate place, they were satisfied. In a desolate place, they found the fullness of God. In a desolate place, they saw miracles take place. In a desolate place, they found something that they'd never seen before, and they were satisfied. And they took up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces. Everybody say broken pieces that were left over. And those who ate them were about 5,000 uh, men besides not counting or unincluded women and children. See, 
As we look at this story, we look back on it and say, wow, it's a great miracle. Look what God did with the little boy of five loaves and two fish. But the little boy with five loaves and two fish was an uncounted, unqualified boy because he wasn't even a man. They call him a boy, but they only counted men. See, sometimes you're in a desolate place and you feel like you've been counted out, but that's the place God's counting you in. Some of you, God's trying to get you away from your norm to bring you to a place where you can realize I'm counted by God. And what I have to offer may only be five loaves and two fish. But if I offer it to the master who can assembly required all the pieces that I have, he can do miracles with my little. You just got to believe that he can still do something with you. And now as we go into this next portion of scripture, we're in the gospel of Matthew still a couple chapters later, chapter 16. And the disciples run into a problem again. Man, I can relate with these disciples. Seems like every time Jesus does a miracle, they come up with a worse question. Come on. Every time Jesus rescues you from a bad financial situation, we have a a sillier question. Listen to this next passage. Matthew 16, verse 5 through 11. And when the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring bread. Gosh, dog it. That's like all of us, man. God does amazing things. They're getting to the other side, and they forgot to bring the bread. And Jesus said, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing, is a polite word, arguing among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. But Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing amongst yourselves the fact that you have no bread? See, God's trying to teach a deeper principle here, and we're arguing about no bread. We're looking at what's missing in the natural, and we're so busy looking at what's missing, we're missing what's possible. They're in a boat saying, we have no bread, and Jesus is saying, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and they're talking about what's Jesus talking about. They have, we have no bread. He's asking for bread. Jesus is not talking about bread. They had the whole bread of life right there in the boat with them. Jesus wasn't worried about a loaf. Sometimes you got to realize you got the you got the son of God himself living on the inside of you and you're worried about bread. Sometimes we got to wake up and just say, I've got Jesus Christ living on the inside of me. I am empowered with the Holy Spirit but because he, he said it would happen before, before the beginning of time. And it occurred back in Acts chapter 22. I received the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life. So not only, I, not only do I have the King of Kings with me in the boat, i got the Spirit and the power of God with me in the boat. But we come into church still worried about bread. Listen to what, listen to what he goes on to say. Oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing amongst yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive it or understand it is what he's saying? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Everybody say 12. Or the seven loaves and the 4,000 and how many baskets did you gather? How is it then that you fail to understand that I do not speak about bread? Sometimes we're so busy looking at what's missing, we're missing what's possible. Sometimes we're so busy looking at where we're at, we're missing where God's trying to bring us. What do you do when the pieces on the picture, where the pieces in the picture don't look like the picture on the box? What do you do when this is your life, this is the picture, and it doesn't match up. 
we all got a bunch of pieces. And as I said last week, my son would say, Daddy, it's broken and it's broken. It just requires some assembly. It's not broken. You're not broken. You just got to realize you're going to need to quit looking for bread because you got bread. You got the Son of God. So you're not broken, but you do require some assembly. And if we'll trust him with the pieces, he'll make it look like the picture. But here's what we got to begin to realize in our life. Here's what we got to realize in our life. What we understand, we value. What we value, we steward or manage well. What we steward or manage well, we multiply, and what we multiply, we have authority over. I've hit the first two points of this in previous messages. Go back and listen to the whole series because I'm not sure which one they're all in. They're probably in several of them. But it says, what we understand, now that you understand, your life may look like pieces, but you're not broken. It just requires some assembly. Now that you understand that the pieces in here, even though they require some assembly, if we'll trust the Father, he'll make it look like the picture on the box. Now what we understand and now what we know, we can begin to value it. And value means to put great worth on it. Some of you need to start putting a lot more worth on your pieces. You look at them as junk and God says, I'm building something. It requires some assembly, but you haven't put value on your pieces. In fact, you've devalued it because all you see is what's missing and not what's possible. And it's time that we realize this. We serve a God that works all pieces together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purposes. Your good pieces, your bad pieces, your ugly pieces, the pieces that were in his will, the pieces that you created out of his will, all the pieces of your life, the ones he ordained, the one he did not ordain. But you got to trust him that God's bigger than your pieces and all pieces work together for good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. I'm not broken, but I do require some assembly in my life. And now that we understand that, we can then begin to value that and put great worth on our pieces. But what we value... We must begin to manage well. Now we're fixing to get into this morning's message. See, that's just precursor. I knew y'all needed a recap. But now that we know and we understand how worthwhile our pieces are, we must begin to manage them well. Because what we manage well, we multiply. And what we multiply, we have authority over. Get ready. The last three weeks of this series are going to be amazing. Because God's not trying to get you to, to, he's not just trying to use you. He's trying to get you to a place of authority. Everybody say, I got that. I receive that. But until you begin to manage your pieces well, you'll never multiply. And what you can't multiply, you don't have authority over. I mean, go read the story of the talents. Five, two, and ten. I don't have time to go there. It's a whole other message. You must begin to understand we've got to manage well what God has given us in our lives. And here's the thing. You thought you were managing things. We always talk about being a good steward, and we think we're talking about managing things. We're not managing things. You're managing your pieces. Because you can only manage things to the extent that you manage your pieces. If you can't take care of your own life and manage the pieces of your own life, why is God going to give you kingdom things to try and manage and put together when you can't even put your own life together? Start managing your pieces. Some of you need to have some pieces forgiven. Some of you need to have some pieces transformed. Some of y'all need to have some pieces rebuilt. Some of y'all need to have some pieces that connect to other pieces that you don't understand why the pieces are connected to one another. But when you connect this piece to this piece, you start getting some of the picture. But because we're not managing pieces well, God says, I can't trust you to manage things well because you can't even manage pieces well. 
But when we start managing our pieces well, he'll be saying, oh, now what he's managed well in pieces, I can begin to multiply and make them into things. And what he managed well in things, I can give him authority over the things because he's managed his pieces well. Come on. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. See, you thought you were going to manage things. God, I want an amazing anointed ministry to go around the world. Manage your pieces. God, I want to I start Bible schools around the world. Manage your pieces. God, I want to see the church grow and flourish and do amazing things. So do I, but I got to manage my pieces. Some of you got gifts and callings and are fixing to go and further your education, but you got to manage your pieces. Some of you got to go to God with your pieces and say, God, this piece needs to be forgiven because I'm still holding on to bitterness of a bad piece that happened in my life, but I need that piece transformed because that piece, if I leave it the same and I don't manage it well, and managing well does mean bringing it before the Father, it's going to mess up the rest of the picture because that piece, come on now, we have got to begin to understand that what we manage well begins to multiply underneath our hands, underneath our care. God's not calling you to manage things. He's calling you to manage pieces. You get enough pieces put together, though, and you're going to start getting a picture. You get enough pictures together, you're going to start building a, a, building a mountain of influence. And you're going to change the world. So today, i got to get us to the point where we understand our piecer, pieces. Today is a day of divine encounters. Today is a day of divine encounters. Okay, today is a day of divine encounters. You're going to have a divine encounter today. It's not by chance that you're here. You're going to have a divine encounter today. But what happens when you look at your pieces and say, God, I didn't picture my life like this. God, what's on the box doesn't look like what came in the package. What am I doing? And you got to begin to understand. God says, bring me your pieces because when you realize this, you'll realize there's potential in your pieces. And I said this last week you got to realize there's power in your pieces. And I said that last week. What I did not say last week, because it's part of this week's message, there is promise in your pieces. There is promise in them pieces. I don't care what you think it looks like, there's promise in those pieces. And if you'll begin to understand, today is a day of divine encounters. You're going to understand there's not just potential in my life. There's not just purpose with my life. There's not just power in my life. But there's a promise with my life that if I will entrust the creator with my pieces, I will not just have potential. I will not just have power. But there's a promise of God that comes. There's a promise of God that's waiting for you right now, but you got to know that today is a day of divine encounters. You're not here by mistake. Everybody say, today, today. everything yeah. changes. Yeah. It's your day for change. It's your day to see God do an amazing thing. And I said, today we're in a day of divine encounters, and a lot of people look at that and say, wow, God's going to bring me, and I'm going to get to meet somebody, or somebody's going to give me $1,000 to pay my electric bill, or somebody, or somebody, or somebody. I said divine encounters, not human encounters. And some of you got to realize this morning, you've been looking for somebody when you need to be looking for him. You've been looking for some person to fulfill you when you need to look to the Father to craft something out of your pieces. You've been looking for, for a pastor to give you an answer when the Father has all the answers in the world and he's trying to put your pieces together. Today is a day of divine encounters. I did not say human encounters. I said divine encounters because I don't want you to meet somebody. I want you to meet him. And I want you to have a moment, because in a moment, everything can change, and then we make it a movement that will influence mountains. 
Today is your day of divine encounters. I'm going to read to you the scripture out of the, 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 the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. And it's verse 17, and it says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Woo, come on. If you're going to describe daddy in one way, that's, that's a good way to put it. The Father of glory, that he will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. See, some of y'all are looking for answers to your problems, and you need to be looking for your answers in him. See, he said, I'm going to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so you can have knowledge of him and know him. And when you know him, he's going to start putting pieces together. And when you manage pieces well, you'll be able to manage things well. When you manage things well, he'll multiply it under you. What he multiplies under you, you'll have authority over. So he's not trying to give you some worldly answer, some quick fix, some band-aid to your problem. He's not trying to pay your electric bill. It's already been taken care of. But if we'll have knowledge and wisdom and revelation in him, we can manage our pieces at a whole nother level. And having the eyes of your hearts opened or enlightened, some versions say, that you may know what is the hope. Everybody say hope. What is the hope that he has called you to? See, he's... Some of y'all walk into church and think it's another service. This is not just another service. He's called you to a hope. Man, he's called you to a hope, something greater. I said there's promise in your pieces. He's called you to a hope. He's praying this prayer that if we'll have wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, he'll open up our understanding and he'll show us the hope, the reason we're created. And you'll, and you'll quit wondering why these pieces that you look at are broken. They only need a symbol required. But when we have knowledge and wisdom and revelation of him and in him, he's going to open up our hearts to know the hope, the life-giving change, why we were born, why we exist, why we're placed on this earth. There's a hope of knowing you're not just a tool to be used. You are a person with a purpose and a promise that full of power of God he's called you to a hope and some of y'all have lost hope you have lost hope in your marriage you've lost hope in your kids you've lost hope in this world you've lost hope because the presidential elections looking like mud you've lost hope because everything looks bad you've lost hope because the people you like don't like you no more you've lost hope because your hope was in them not in him and he never said, I'm going to give you a divine encounter with a somebody. He's going to give you a divine encounter with him. So that you'll know the hope, the reason your pieces are coming together. Because he makes all pieces work together for good. And when you'll get a hope that he's working your pieces together for good, then you can do all things the Bible says. You just got to get some hope back in your life. Hope is the most important thing you'll ever have. And, and somebody else saying, well, the Bible says love. I know these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Love is the greatest thing ever. If you can possess one thing, though, from the kingdom, it needs to be hope. Because love should be a natural byproduct. You're born again. The Spirit of God, the Son of God lives in you. It should be a normal part of your life. So, so that ought to make some people think a little bit. Start loving some folk. But if you lose hope, if you lose hope, your faith will never work. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. So God's trying to get you to open your eyes and open your heart that you've been called to a hope. The hope that you've been called to. The hope that you've been transformed into. The hope that he made you for. The hope that's got promise in your pieces, power in your pieces, uh, potential in your pieces. He's called you to a hope. And oh, today when I look at churches all over the world, they've lost hope. But I see a sanctuary full of hope. 
I see a sanctuary that's filled with people sitting in it full of hope. I see hope in your eyes. I see hope that you got, you, you got another day, that today everything changes, that there's a new hope in you. If I can get one thing across to you this morning, I pray that you start hoping again. You start believing again. You start loving again because the Bible says love believes all things, hopes for all things. And, and he wants you to start hoping again. Get that light on the inside of you. This isn't wishful thinking. This is a true, tangible, real, knowable hope deep down inside you. That he's trying to create something out of you and in you. Your divine encounter is with him, and he's going to give you wisdom and revelation how to use your pieces. Uh, listen, we got to realize God didn't create us to use us. He created us to glorify him. And a body with no hope... Can I bring glory to a father who deserves it? We just read he is the father of glory. And it's our job to bring a hope to a place where he can transform us. To do that, we got to realize this. We must seek his presence over his principles. We must seek his presence over his principles. As we begin to seek his presence over his principles, his principles will start working. But see, a lot of us, even in a new covenant relationship, we've gone to uh, uh, old covenant thinking and, and we say, and there is some validity to this, follow me. If I just do what the book says do, I'll get to where God wants me to be. And that is true. That, that is true. But what gives this book life is not you reading it, it's the presence of God in it. What gives this book life to put your pieces together is not necessarily the words written on the page, but the presence of God that empowers it. And so many of us have not been seeking his presence. We've been seeking a a seven steps to fix my life quick scheme out of the book. And we're wondering why the book isn't fulfilling the promises that the book says it will fulfill. It's because God didn't want you seeking a book. He wanted you to seek his presence. So when you read the book, you now can use the instruction manual properly to get you where you're supposed to be. See, I I got him up here building this for a reason. And here's why. Because if I took God out, come on. If I took God out from behind this table and I sat here and left the pieces, is that the one you're looking for? No, I'm good. Sorry. And left the pieces on the table with the book on the table with no presence, is that ever going to come together? This will never come together without the presence of him putting it together. And so many of us read the Bible and we look at it and we say, I love the book, I love the book, it's got great things in the book, it's giving me promises in the book, but the book without the presence is going to leave an instruction manual with a bunch of pieces that still need assembly required. It's his presence. It's his presence that's got to show up in your life because his presence makes you read this and say, I didn't read it like that before. <laughs> that, that's my missing piece. My missing piece was his presence because I thought it was my job to put my pieces together with the book. It's not your job to put your pieces together with the book. It's his job and his presence to put your pieces together through his book. Amen. It's his job. And, and, and I want to hit on something right quick. I mentioned as we read our opening scripture, desolate place. And I read it again, and it said desolate place. 
And some of you in, in here this morning are wondering, why God do I got to come to a church way outside the city limits of Sulphur Springs to see and get an encounter with you? Can I tell you what you look at as desolate doesn't what God looks at as desolate? It seems to me whenever God has wanted to do something major in his kingdom, he brought a man out to the middle of nowhere to show him what's actually possible instead of being influenced by the cultures around him. In the New Testament, when God wanted to start a kingdom movement to usher in Jesus Christ to be anointed as the Son of God, he brought a man named John the Baptist out to where? The wilderness. He didn't bring him to the temple in Jerusalem. He said, you're too influenced by your surroundings, so I'm going to get a man, and I'm going to call his name John, and he's going to be the forerunner to my son Jesus, and I'm going to bring him out to the middle of what the people say is nowhere, but in the middle of nowhere, my presence can show up because they're not influenced by the worlds around him. They're influenced by the promise of God in him. You wonder why you're out here. I'll tell you why you're out here. Because God's trying to get you out of your norm into a place where you say, I don't know why the Spirit of God falls here, but it's falling here. Because when he can get you out of your norm, you can then walk into the promise. When when God called Ezekiel, and he said this, Ezekiel, do something amazing for my kingdom. He didn't bring him to the center metropolis of where he was at. He brought him to a valley full of dry pieces, full of dry bones. And he said, what do you see? And he said, I see bones. And he said, what kind of bones? Very, very dry bones. It didn't look promising. It didn't look hopeful with the pieces. It didn't look hopeful in his situation. But when, I, when Ezekiel looked at the pieces, he, God said, you see dry bones, very dry bones, but I see potential in the pieces. I see power in the pieces. I see promise in the pieces. And he said, begin to prophesy, speak life in the middle of nowhere because God is going to show up somewhere. So he brought him to nowhere and he began to speak life into very dry pieces. And oh, Lord, there's a rattling. Whew. See, God's starting to shake something up in your life, and some of y'all are freaking out, but you need to let pieces start coming together. You need to let pieces start coming together. When I grab this bag of pieces, it's not quiet all the time. Give me an amen. There is some rattling going on. And God may have to bring you out here to somewhere where everybody says it's nowhere so he can finally get your attention to see your pieces start rattling and coming together. There was a man named Joseph. I'm sorry, Jacob in the Old Testament. And he was walking. And you can say what you want. This, this is why I say you must trust his presence over the principles. Because there was a man named Jacob who did not deserve to have the favor of God on his life. No way, shape, or form. Just like Joel. Doesn't deserve to have God's favor, but his grace says it's there, so I'm taking it. I don't deserve his favor, but he says I can have it, so I'm taking it. And I'm not going to feel guilty about it. What he gave me, I'm receiving And there was a man named Jacob, and he went across, and he found a place where he laid his head down on a rock. And it was the middle of nowhere. But his nowhere was God somewhere. Some of your nowheres is God somewhere. And you don't even know how you got here, but your nowhere became his somewhere, and your life's going to be changed. Because Jacob fell asleep that night. And when he fell asleep on the rock that night, he looked up to heaven in the middle of his sleep, in the middle of his dream, and he said, I see heaven open, and there is a ladder uh, descending uh, from, from heaven to earth. He didn't say from earth to heaven, from heaven to earth, and there are angels ascending and descending upon it. Listen, there is an open heaven resting over your life for the power of God to move and come down and up and down and up and move in your life. 
and Jacob witnessed all this. And there's a ton more to it. Go read the story. It's an amazing story. I absolutely love it. And a man who did not deserve God's favor, did not deserve to see an open heaven, did not deserve to let the power of God manifest there. It happened when he fell asleep. That's how God usually gets me sometimes. I got to go to sleep because I'm too busy. My wife says amen. But when he woke up, the landscape didn't change. The trees weren't greener or prettier or taller. The grass was still the same. The wind still blew the same. The rock was still the same. It was sitting under his head. Everything was still the same naturally. But listen to his phrase. He said, surely the presence of God was in this nowhere, and I did not know it. See, God's fixing to transform your nowhere into a somewhere because the presence of God is here. And if we'll wake up, have our hearts opened or enlightened to the wisdom and revelation of him to know the hope that which he's called us to, this place that looks like it's the middle of nowhere essentially becomes your somewhere. And Jacob says, I now declare this place of nowhere the place of somewhere, and I call it Bethel, which means house of God because the presence of God is here, and I didn't even know it. See, it's possible. It is possible for you to walk into a church in the presence of God, do miracles, signs, and wonders, and you feel nothing. What has to change? We do. Today, everything changes. Today, everything changes in our life. His presence is known as the kingdom or the culture of heaven, and we're only going to find it when we abide. We're only going to find it when we abide. As I close with this, a transformation is going to occur within. We're going to be transformed within. When we encounter his presence, the transformation of pieces occurs within us that will transform the world that is around us. The transformation of pieces will occur within us. God, I'm going to steal something right quick. Looks a little bit different. It ain't complete yet. But God ain't done working on you yet. It may not be to its fullness yet. But it looks a little bit different than it did 20 minutes ago. When all is, oh, did you already open the bags? It, it's not completed, but it doesn't look like this. Because when I first came into church, I started looking like this. But then halfway through, I started hearing a rattling sound. And by the end of service, I began to look like this because I realized that transformation of my pieces is going to occur within first. And, and my pieces are looking like something now. My, my pieces are becoming something now. My, my pieces are being transformed. And what I thought was broken, God said, no, baby, it just requires some assembly. And when I started hearing rattling, I didn't get afraid and run, but I embraced what the Father was doing, because when he can transform within me, I'll be able to transform the world around me. Can I tell you, if we will embrace what God is doing and trust his presence to guide us with the principles, the good things, the bad things, the ugly things, the pieces that I don't see fitting, the pieces that I don't see working right, the pieces that still don't make sense, they're starting to make a little bit of sense. They're starting to make a little bit of sense. And if I can trust God to do, get me this far, 
with the pieces that are there. Think what I can do if I'll continue to trust him with the whole box. And not just with the whole box in those pieces, but when Joel's pieces start connecting with Jenny's pieces. And Jenny's pieces start connecting with Travis and Allie's pieces. They, they don't understand how their pieces were all torn up, but, but now that they've met each other, their pieces are coming together, and they realize it's not by happenstance that they're in their life uh, on accident, but they're there on purpose because their pieces connect to those pieces, and Travis and Allie's pieces are connecting to David and Raphael's pieces, and, and their pieces are connecting to, to, to over here with, with, with Jess and, and Mr. Joe's pieces, and their pieces are connecting to Matt and Nicole's pieces, and before you know it, we don't just got a bunch of pieces and individual ships running around. We got the whole system coming together. You don't, I don't know why you got some of those pieces in your life, but I know that if I can entrust them to God who makes all pieces work together for good, that piece in me that's awkward will connect with somebody else's awkward piece and make a picture whole. Listen, we're all weird. Every one of us are weird. We got weird tendencies. We, we got weird mannerisms. I mean, we're East Texan for crying out loud. We're weird. But sometimes God calls us to the middle of nowhere to get us to where we're supposed to be somewhere. And I'm going to close with my statement this morning that I closed with last week. Can we trust God moving forward and what we'll only be able to see looking back? We are on a journey. He's not done with us yet. But I got to realize on this journey, there will be some places that look desolate but in the midst of a desolate place, I can trust his presence. And if I can trust his presence in a desolate place, he can, he can use his principles to start bringing pieces together. And, and it will begin to transform my pieces within. And the pieces that get transformed within will then begin to transform the world around. And the world that I begin to transform around me begins to make more sense because it looks like the kingdom culture that I've been praying for as we started this Abide series to take place. And now that the kingdom culture is coming and the world's transforming uh, around me, will I be able to trust God moving forward? Would I I only be able to see looking back? I I, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I don't know why God chooses to do some things the way he does it. But I do know that I can trust God to make all pieces work together for good, even though I can't see it moving forward. I don't understand it moving forward, but when I look back, I know he's working on something. When when, when I look back, I know he's doing something. When I look back, I see him completing something. I'm not done yet because I'm still moving forward, but when I look back, I can see progress. I can see progress. And just because you're not to who you think you should be right now, hey, I'm not where I should be, but I'm dadgum sure not where I was, amen? And I'm definitely not staying where I'm at because I'm moving forward. Because I'm going to trust in moving forward. What I'll only be able to see looking back. Because the Bible says the three remain faith, hope, and love. Obviously, the greatest of these is love. And so when we love the Father that we want his culture to come, it's going to give us a new hope to who we are in Christ Jesus. And that new hope is going to spur us on by faith to trust in moving forward in what I'll only be able to see looking back. This morning... Are you going to trust him moving forward? Today, everything changes.